0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive?
1: Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast.
0: The Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the U.K. and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Also Scotland. I'm sorry I forgot to mention Scotland. I've mentioned Scotland. U.K., Ireland, Scotland. I need to start mentioning towns and cities and boroughs as well. we got a lot of people, Shireen. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this. U.K. is a long way from Texas, but we got a lot of people who watch us on Sky Sports. Big fans of the program. We've been on for a year now. It was a limited run that has been extended indefinitely. They've yet to kick us off. I'm doing my best, though, from time to time to get us kicked off, but it's yet to occur.
1: It's the, now the world's TV program, like the Cowboys are America's team. This is the world's TV program.
0: I think we need to trademark that. Get some merch ready. Yeah. I like it. All right, great idea. Um, look, we've got uh, more than a month to go until free agency, but this is going to be an unprecedented free agency period. In 2020, especially it relates to quarterback. And if you if you haven't wrapped your brain around that idea, just just trust me for once. I know you never do. Not you, Shereen. I'm talking generally the people who may be listening and watching. Trust me on this. When it comes to quarterbacks, it's going to be chaos. And when it comes to cap space, there are teams with a lot of money to spend. Now, the fact you can carry it over year to year removes that urgency to go out and spend it. Now you can automatically carry over as much as you want. And as a result, we've got some teams with tremendous stockpiles of cap space. But let's take a little time talking about the teams that we think should go out and be aggressive in free agency. But I need to apply this caveat. The teams that are aggressive in free agency never put together a champion. Right? It's just part of the broader effort to build a team. You ultimately come up with your nucleus of the organization through the draft and identifying young players who deserve long term, big money deals. If you're just recklessly spending, spending, spending to bring guys in, uh, you're you're not going to build a champion that way. You're going to sell some tickets. You're going to create some buzz. You're going to sell some jerseys. But ultimately, it's going to be hard to build a winner with. So with all that said, Shereen, let's let's take a look at who we think should be the most aggressive in free agency this year. Uh, Give me a team that stands out for you that should go out and spend like crazy.
1: Well, I think you have to start with the Dolphins, and it's just what you said. You can't put together a dream team, as we remember the Eagles did a few years ago when they got Vince Young and Vince Young and that whole group, and Vince proclaimed them as the NFL's dream team. It doesn't work like that. You have to use the draft as well. And the Dolphins have a lot of draft picks is where I'm getting to, and they also have a lot of cash. They have more cash than any other team in the NFL. They have a chance to build their nucleus It's going to be around to build them into a contender for a long time. So they need to use that cash wisely and go out and get some depth, go out and get some starters, and eventually this could be a really good team if you're using your top pick on a quarterback, you're getting that quarterback ready, and then you've got all those other picks you can build around too. So to me, it starts with the Miami Dolphins and what they can do in this free agency period and in the draft.
0: you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick says he's going to stick around. They clearly are targeting quarterbacks in the draft. Steven Ross, the owner of the team, I am told reliably, really wants Joe Burrow. He uh, is expected to be picked by the Bengals number one overall, but who knows how that's going to play out over the next two months. There has been some chatter linking Tom Brady to the Dolphins, and that would be a way to spend some of that $89 million in cap space. The reaction from Steven Ross, though, a couple of weeks ago two days before the Super Bowl, a little lukewarm. Basically said, I don't know why I'd want to come here. We're rebuilding. Well, with $89 million in cap space and all those draft picks, if you use the picks right, you rebuild quickly. And if Tom Brady really would want to go to the Dolphins, eh, who knows? I mean, look, we assume that that it's going to be people knocking on his door. If there's a door or two that he chooses to affirmatively knock on, how do you say no to Tom Brady? And between the draft picks and the cap space, If Brady would say, hey, guys, I want Miami, uh, maybe you say to Ryan Fitzpatrick, well, it was fun, see you later, and Tom Brady's going to be our guy. Whether or not they draft a quarterback, I mean, you put Tua Tonga-Vailoa if he's there at number five, you give him a year or two to to fully recover and learn from Tom Brady, and then he's ready to take over, and he can have a long career as quarterback of the Dolphins. So I like that one. For me, look, the, the Colts have been squatting on so much cap space, and last year they resisted the temptation to go out and recklessly spend um, and, and you don't and, – and look, you never want to give into that temptation to spend for the sake of spending. And Chris Ballard, the GM of the team, has been a very good steward when it comes to holding back money, waiting for bargains to emerge later in free agency. We, we see it every year. In that first week, the money gets spent uh, without a whole lot of, of care. Then, after that, that first wave ends – that's when you go out in your bargain shop, and that's what Chris Ballard is inclined to do. But, you know, if if he can spot some guys that will instantly make the team better, and if he's starting to feel maybe a little urgency from owner Jim Ursay to turn around what happened last year, I could see the Colts do it. They need some star power there with Andrew Luck retired. And, you know, all of a sudden, even though they love Jacoby Brissett, and Frank Reich, the coach of the team, has said all the right things about Jacoby Brissett, there's this sense of inevitability that the Colts are going to buy one of these free agent quarterbacks, and it's going to take t- somewhere between 25 and $35 million a year to get that done.
1: And that's absolutely where I think they're going to spend their money. I do think they go out and find a quarterback to replace Jacoby Brissett. I think they think they have the team in place with that offensive line, with that defense and the stars on that defense, that they're ready co- to contend. I mean, they talked about last year when Andrew Luck walked away, this doesn't end our chances why doesn't it end their chances? Because they thought they were good everywhere else. Well, guess what? They weren't good enough at the quarterback position. So if they go out and get a quarterback and spend the bulk of that money on a quarterback, this is a team that could potentially step up and, and be the team to go to the Super Bowl next season. If they get the right quarterback and fit him in uh, with, with that offense, and then again, the defense is pretty darn good. I like this football team. I think they're just missing that one part and it's, it's most important part of an NFL team.
0: Who do you think would be the right quarterback though for the call? Assuming money's not an issue. Who's the quarterback that they should say, this is the guy to put Jacoby Brissett back on the bench.
1: What about Teddy Bridgewater there? I, I just, I think you want a young guy in Indianapolis. I do think they're ready to win now, but do you go get Tom Brady for a year I don't know maybe if that's the right move, but if you think Teddy can play, I think he fits what they want to do. And they have the weapons uh, to go with, with the type of quarterback that he is. I, I'd vote for them to go get Teddy and, and see what they could do with Teddy.
0: You know, Teddy Bridgewater's is a guy that isn't getting a whole lot of play as free agency approaches, but he was five and zero last year as a starter. He was a guy who was on the cusp of becoming a star in 2016 before that fluke ACL tear that took him multiple years to recover from. He's a beloved teammate. He's a competent quarterback. And, you know, maybe he's not going to command between 30 and 35, but he's going to be north of Nick Foles' 22. And around $25 million a year, especially when you consider where the market currently is, you could get a very competent quarterback who could stabilize the franchise, be a good leader, and maybe take it to where you want to go if he has the chance to really develop the way that that injury kept him from developing with the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, I I was kicking around yesterday the idea that the Vikings should bring in Bridgewater with the understanding that he becomes the starter in 2021 post-Kirk Cousins. Uh, they love him there in Minnesota. They love him everywhere he's been, and they would love him in Indianapolis. And you mentioned Tom Brady. It's funny because I, yeah, you know, T- Tony Dungy has said he's had Colts fans ask him, hey, what about Tom Brady? What about Tom Brady? I mean, I don't know that Indianapolis is a preferred destination of Mrs. Tom Brady, But uh, wouldn't that be great to see Tom Brady play for the Colts? I mean, the rivalry definitely would be back on. Remember the Chris Ballard mic drop from a couple of years ago when Josh McDaniels spurned the Colts and he said the rivalry's back on? You get Tom Brady on the Colts? Oh, my goodness. The only regret would be they're not in the same division anymore and they don't play each other twice a year. All right, give me another team you're looking at, Shereen, that uh, has the cash and cap space to spend and should do so.
1: Well, I think the Buffalo Bills did a great job last year, and they didn't get the huge, huge names of guys that we would expect, but they got guys that provided depth and and helped them get to the playoffs this season. That was like Andre Roberts and the Cole Beasleys and Mitch Morris and those sorts of guys. And, And I think they've dispelled this idea that free agents don't want to go to Buffalo. Free agents will go where the money is. And if they're willing to pay that money, then free agents are going to go there. But that's a team I look at again, maybe not to go out and get that huge name free agent that we're all used to seeing, but maybe a little down that line, some of those free agents that are really going to help them take that next step where they want to go. Uh, And they do have the cap space to, to get that done, especially with the quarterback who's still in his rookie rookie deal.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And, um, They're a team that we just kind of overlook, and and we shouldn't. I think Josh Allen is poised to become one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's learned a lot in two years about what it takes to be a great quarterback. He's got that rocket arm. He is a great runner, even though I think last year they deliberately were careful about him running the ball because they didn't want to get him injured. They unleashed him a little bit more in that postseason loss to the Houston Texans. But this Bills team with that $82 million to spend. And again, you need to spend it wisely, but I think there are some opportunities there for the Bills to make that team better and to, to try to, to, to continue to put pressure on the Patriots at the top of the division, especially if Tom Brady would leave. Maybe an opportunity for someone else to rise up and win the AFC East. I, you know, the Texans don't have a ton of money to spend. Shereen, and you and I both, I think, agree that they should go out and be aggressive, in part because they don't have first-round picks this year or next year, I'm just fascinated by the situation in Houston. Bill O'Brien, now the GM. Jack Easterby, who was the chaplain of the Chiefs not that long ago, the executive VP of football operations. Who's really making these decisions? Who is the conscience for Bill O'Brien pushing back against moves that he may want to make that may not be the best moves to make? And they need to have a team around Deshaun Watson but they also are firmly in Deshaun Watson's second contract territory. Do you get Watson to wait another year so they can spend this year's cap space on offensive linemen, defensive linemen, the core players that ultimately decide whether or not your team is going to be any good? Can you get Watson to be patient so you can spend that $55 million? Which, not long ago, $55 million was a hell of a lot. Well, when you got teams kissing $90 million, it's not a hell of a lot anymore. But if you can get Watson to wait, before he insists on a new contract, maybe you can use some of that money to help improve the team around him.
1: Yeah, the Texans are a team I had on my list as well. You know, Bill O'Brien is now shopping for the groceries as well as cooking the meal. So he's got the whole thing. He knows what he wants. They've got to go out and improve that offensive line, or they're not going to have to worry about Deshaun Watson getting a second contract because he's going to be so injured. He's going to be in the training room. He's just taking too many hits, and so they have to improve that offensive line. They have the money to do that. They don't have the draft picks to do that. They've tried to do that in the past drafts, and so far have not made that line much better. They now have Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil, at left tackle, and they feel like they've gotten that position sewn up. But you got to address the rest of that offensive line. You have the money to do it. You go out and do it, and if you have to, you tell Deshaun Watson, hey, we're going to get your deal done. A new CBA is coming. Hopefully, we get more cap space. We can give you more money. But right now, we've got to spend this money. I'm getting you a good offensive line so you take fewer hits uh, back there.
0: Yeah, and that's always an interesting philosophical question for the player because the bottom line is you're taking a huge risk every time you step across that thick white stripe. And uh, you've earned the payday that the rookie wage scale no longer gives you right out of the gates. And I'm a firm believer, you know, the other side of the coin, we no longer have guys like Ryan Leaf that are taking millions out of the system and never earning it. But you also have guys who come in and play incredibly well. They deserve their payday as soon as the window opens. And it may be a delicate conversation to get Deshaun Watson to ultimately agree to wait one more year. But if the Texans want to continue to be a playoff team, they may have to get him to wait one more year. When we return, we know Tom Brady's going to play at least one more year. He intends to play three more years. Chris Jones has found a way to get under the skin of Tom Brady. We'll tell you what Chris Jones had to say about that and how that could play out in 2020 and beyond when PFT Live continues right after this. Chris Jones, Chiefs defensive lineman, was on Pardon My Take with Big Cat and PFT commenter earlier this week. And he explained that he has found a way to get under the skin of Hashtag Tommy. There they are if you're watching on TV. at each other during the game that the Chiefs and the Patriots played this season. Said Chris Jones, if he's on the ground, you call him an old ass. Bleepity bleep. I thought maybe I could say the front end, not father, but But I decided not to. Well, I kind of did anyway. Get your old ass up, he said, or you need to bleeping retire. Brady got up so fast, that's the quickest I've ever seen Brady move. So, look, hey, Tom Brady's going to be 43. And uh, now that Chris Jones has kind of let the cat out of the bag, Shireen, I have a feeling if he wasn't already going to hear stuff about his age, he's going to hear more and more of it. I mean, there's a lot of directions this can go. And I, I'm, I'm not casting aspersions here. I'm just throwing out examples of, you know, they can make references to Botox. I'm not saying he uses Botox. They can make references to uh, hair plugs. I'm not saying he uses hair plugs. They can make references to hair dye. Not saying he uses hair dye. I'm just laying out the assortment of insults that potentially could be hurled at Tom Brady in 2020 or beyond.
1: One of the greatest ones I ever heard was John Randall against the Tampa Buccaneers offensive lineman in the whole entire game. The guy had poor teeth, shall we say, uh, needed some dental work and John Randall consistently talked about the NFL's dental plan and how it really paid for this <laughs> dental work that this guy needed to have. And so there's going to be things like that with the old man that, that, players are going to play off of for the entire year now that they know that that works, if that indeed is what happened in that scenario. We don't know Tom's version of events.
0: John Randall was the master pre-internet of scouring yeah. through anything he could find to get information. And his goal wasn't to get you so mad you ripped off the guy's helmet and hit him over the head with it, Miles Garrett style. His goal was to just make say something that makes you freeze for that split second, so he can run right by you. And it worked. It's one of the reasons the guy's in the Hall of Fame. Undersized defensive lineman, undrafted at a time when there were 12 rounds in the NFL draft, and he makes it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in part because he was just a relentless, relentless trash talker. And uh, look, I mean, you know, it's fair game, and and uh, Brady probably already hears it. I think one of the great reactions to the old man comments, I remember seeing in NFL Films, clip years ago when Chris Carter was in his early 30s and somebody from the Bears was calling him old man and and it was great Carter said hey you should get on your knees every night and pray to God that you play as long as I do that kind of shuts you up when you put it in those terms and maybe that's what Tom Brady needs to say to these guys because he's seen a lot of guys come and go over the last 20 years and other than kickers there aren't a lot of guys that can get it done for 20 years plus Shereen in the NFL
1: well, and they respect Tom Brady so much. You don't see a lot of guys talking at him and him jawing at them. I mean, they just respect what he's done in the game. The fact that he is the goat uh, of quarterbacks and players in this league. And so they they really respect Tom Brady. So you don't see a lot of that. You might see more of it now if they think they can get under his skin and draw a penalty. They may bait him or try to bait him a little bit. Uh, as we go forward, but uh, yeah, Tom Brady is the goat and he is an old man too. So they can use that part against him.
0: And as we go forward, the, the biggest domino that has to fall at some point is Tom Brady. Will he stay with the Patriots? Will he leave? I think a lot of fans still haven't emerged to this reality that he could leave. And I think a lot of things are already happening behind the scenes. I think the tampering this year, more rampant than ever. It has to be, you've got all these quarterbacks, you've got all these teams. And, and people are going to want to know who is going to be where. And they need to get it all to fall together. I think that process culminates at the scouting combine. I think when teams and agents leave Indianapolis in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a rough idea of where guys are going to go. And I think that that, that week, Tom Brady will know whether or not he's staying in New England or leaving. And if he doesn't sign a new contract with the Patriots in the aftermath of Indianapolis I'm going to feel more and more strongly that he's going to move on, Shireen.
1: I think there's a chance that he moves on, and I think there's a pretty good chance he moves on. The thing I just keep going back to is what sort of teams are going to be interested in, in these old quarterbacks? And I'm talking about Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. They have to be ready to win now and think they're they're only going to have this guy for one year, but he, they're not long-term options for these teams, so it's got to be really special situations and there's not many of those teams out there who have those special situations that are ready to win now and are know that they're only going to have the guy for one year or two years.
0: And if the Patriots do need a new quarterback, Nick Casario, the VP of player personnel, has signed an extension with the team. Remember last June when he tried to go to the Texans and it all fell apart and the aftermath of that was, well, his contract's up next year. There's no way he's staying with the New England Patriots. Yeah, OK, there's no way he's staying. Oh, He's staying. And, and that's a piece that I think is important to Tom Brady because if he is going to stay, they need to be able to load up the offense with competent, skill position players who can catch his passes or he may want to leave just because of the absence of those kind of players. We'll be right back. Yeah, mean, funny. It's always good to win. Um, you know, it's good to beat Cleveland. It's good to beat anybody. It's a tough league to win in, so... I'm um, you know, proud of what the guys did. Proud of what this team accomplished today. And you know, but we got bigger goals ahead. And you know, amazing to think that he coached for another place and they didn't think he was good enough. You know, and then he comes here and uh, does a great job. That's Tom Brady. Before that, Bill Belichick. After the Patriots beat the Browns this year to get win number 300 for Bill Belichick, coming against the team that had once fired him, although. It was not the Browns that fired Bill Belichick. It was the Ravens that fired Bill Belichick. The Browns that became the Ravens. After they moved, as they were moving from Cleveland to Baltimore, they fired Bill Belichick. But that one's going to stick to the Browns forever. Hey, Cleveland, you wanted to keep the names and the records and the uniforms and the colors. You get to keep the legacy of the Browns firing Bill Belichick. And we mention that because today's draft, inspired by the 24th anniversary of the firing of Bill Belichick by the Browns. The draft is people who could get better given a second chance. And I have exercised my executive privilege here, Shireen, to expand it to anyone connected to the National Football League. Players, coaches, executives, anyone. You get the first question, or you get the first pick, rather, if you get the trivia question, right? And this one comes from the, as Sims would say, what color is blue category. Although I may just be setting you up to to think it's going to be so easy that maybe you get it wrong. Bill Belichick, as yeah, mentioned, I've heard that before. by the Browns. 24 years ago today, who followed Bill Belichick as the head coach of the Browns when they returned to the NFL in 1999?
1: That red light's on, and I don't know the answer to that.
0: Cindy Brady. Oh, Cindy Brady's back. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's Chris Palmer. Wow. Wow. Chris
1: Palmer. He didn't last long either. Should have kept Bill Belichick.
0: I don't know that I would have gotten that one right, frankly, in hindsight. But since I had it in front of me, it looked pretty easy. All right. First pick for me. I'm going to go with... Excuse me. Thought it was over my cough. Apparently, I'm not. First pick for me. Leslie Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator. He was coach of the Minnesota Vikings for a few years. Took the team to the postseason. He didn't even get mentioned in this hiring cycle. Didn't even get mentioned. No interview, no mention, no nothing. Oh, the last time I checked, the Bills have a pretty damn good defense. So hopefully at some point the ship comes in for Leslie Frazier. Hopefully he at least gets mentioned for another head coaching job. But if and when he gets a second chance to be a head coach, there's a chance he's going to be pretty good because he's been great with the Bills' defense. And he took a Vikings team that was basically in shambles thanks to some misguided leadership of Brad Childress And yeah, 2011 wasn't good. 2012 was a playoff run. 2013, at the end of the season, the Wolf family decided to move on. But I think Leslie Frazier could be a very good head coach if and when he gets a second chance to do it, Shireen.
1: Yeah, and you're right. I didn't even think of Leslie Frazier when we were doing this. It's almost like he's been forgotten in this whole thing. And he's been a very good assistant coach for a really long time with a lot of different teams. And uh, he's one guy you look at that that you do think could be better in his second chance if he goes to the right situation, and it's always about that right situation, and that's why my second, my first pick is going to be the obvious choice of Josh McDaniels because I think that if he gets that right situation, which I think eventually is going to be New England replacing Bill Belichick, I think he's going to be a very good head coach, and he wasn't in Denver. I don't know that he could be much worse considering what happened there and and how he failed in so many ways in that situation, but I think he can be a very good head coach in the right situation, and I do think New England is that right situation. Obviously, the Colts weren't, and teams are really leery of hiring him now, as they should be, but I do think he gets the Patriots head coaching job after Bill Belichick.
0: And it really is such a strange situation how this year the Browns' job doesn't go to him. It goes to Kevin Stefanski. The Giants' job goes to Joe Judge. Less accomplished head coaches than Josh McDaniels getting their first chances, and you just wonder when that opportunity for another head coaching position is going to come to Josh McDaniels. And, you know, there's been like a weird sense, and and I don't know what this comes from, And maybe it's just the reality that nepotism is such a part of the NFL coaching industry, but I'm starting to think Steve Belichick is going to be the next Patriots coach, not Josh McDaniels. I think the combination of this sense that McDaniels inevitably is going to leave coupled with you're seeing more and more Steve Belichick. I I just, I I just, uh, for whatever reason, after 2019, I no longer feel like Josh McDaniels is going to be the natural replacement for Bill Belichick. And maybe it's because he will be gone by the time Bill Belichick Decides to call it quits. All right, next one for me. And this is one that pops up from time to time. Um, And it's probably not going to happen. But I'd like to see Eddie DiBartolo own a team again. Uh, And, you know, and and yes, he deserved to have the team taken away from him because of what he did 20 plus years ago. But, you know, there are people around the league who believe that of the 32 teams, only 10 really know what they're doing. And the other 22 don't know what they're doing, in large part because of who owns the teams and the leadership at the top and how it trickles down or otherwise to the lower reaches of the organization. And I'm not going to name who's in the 22, but DeBartolo, when he was in the league, he was in the 10. He clearly was in the 10. He knew how to put a winner together. He knew how to be the right kind of leader. And it would be great. If he could find a way to put the capital together and get the approval. Remember when he got to the hall of fame, Shireen, there was a sense that it was moving in that direction where Debartolo was going to buy a team. I just think that it's gotten to the point where it's so expensive and I don't know anything about his financial situation, but it is ridiculously expensive. Now you got to have so much money to, to operate an NFL team. You have to be able to buy enough equity. You have to have enough money laying around where you can actually run the team during the offseason when the TV money isn't coming in. But I'd love to see Eddie DeBarlo as a team owner again.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate here, though. The question was people who can be better of that second chance. Eddie DiBartolo already in the Hall of Fame. Can he be better than, than what all he right. was before? You can't go in the Hall all of right. Fame again.
0: First of all, the devil's doing just fine on his own. Second of all, (laughs) you got a pretty good point there. You're up.
1: (laughs) All right. My second pick, I'm going to go with Dennis Allen. You can't hold the Raiders against him. A lot of guys have gone and coached in Oakland and been failures. He was a failure in Oakland. But look at what he's done with that Saints defense. I mean, we never thought the Saints defense would be any good, and it is good. It has become good. Uh, with what he's been able to do there. And and so Aggie, great. Dennis Allen, I think, deserves a second chance. He's another guy. You never hear his name mentioned anymore. He's just like Leslie Frazier. He's kind of gotten forgotten. I mean, we hear more about Dan Campbell on that Saints staff than we hear about Dennis Allen. And I think we should hear more about Dennis Allen. Still young, still a really good football coach. And I think he could be a head coach again in this league and be a very good head coach again in this league. He wasn't the first time.
0: and you're absolutely right. There was a stretch early in the year when the Saints defense was really good that his name was being mentioned. It really is funny, though. When, when you see all the names that get mentioned from September to November, but then in December, there's only a very small handful of names that actually are mentioned when it's time to figure out who's going to get the interviews. And Allen's name didn't come up at all. And I agree with you that what he's done with that defense justifies consideration for another head coaching opportunity for Dennis Allen. Right. The last one for me. And I don't think he wants a second chance. But if we're going to be strict. About the actual definition of the draft, <laughs> Shereen. People who could be better. Given a second chance. It doesn't say they have to want it. Nick Saban could be better. And ah, would be better if he mind. had a second. Did I tie? you? You shouldn't have sandbagged until round three. Nick Saban, if he had a second <laughs> chance. Could be better and would be better as a head coach in the NFL. The problem is. He hated coaching in the NFL. His wife hated the NFL existence. They are made for the college campus, the college life, being the king and queen of Tuscaloosa or East Lansing or Baton Rouge or whatever mid-level to small city that is dominated by the presence of a college football program. But if Nick Saban were to return to the National Football League with the right quarterback, and he said within the past few years – if they had signed Drew Brees back in 2006, he'd still be coaching the Dolphins. And remember, they could have had Drew Brees. Sorry, Dolphins fans. They didn't want Drew Brees. They, and Drew Brees was free and clear, but he had 26 studs in his shoulder. They opted instead to give up a second-round pick to get Dante Culpepper with the torn knee ligament trifecta at the time. But uh, Nick Saban, I've, I, you know, and I've given up hoping and and wishing that Saban would come back? Because, you know, the NFL is already pretty exciting with one Bill Belichick. You throw a second one in there, just cantankerous curmudgeon. I'd love to have Nick Saban back in the NFL, but I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I should have won the trivia question, because I had Nick Saban as my third pick in there, too, and I would love to see Nick Saban back in the NFL as well. And I do think he can win at the NFL level. I know he can win at the NFL level with what he's done in college. and. I know he told Jason Witten one time, Witten told me this, that you can make a bigger difference in the coaching ranks at the college level than at the pro level, but I think he could make a big difference at the pro level too if given that that second chance. My last pick, I guess we need to go to a player since we've had five picks who weren't players, Uh, and I'm going to go with Jameis Winston. You know, he had the 5,000, he had the, yeah, there you go. He had the 5,000-yard season this past season. He threw the 30 touchdowns. Got to get rid of those interceptions. Got to get rid of those fumbles. Seven pick sixes. We know all that. But I think if he goes somewhere else to the right situation, I think Jameis Winston can win in this league.
0: All right. Now, I'm throwing the challenge flag. The guy threw 5,109 passing yards, Shireen. Oh, oh, it has to be better if given make a second chance. the Pro Bowl. But he threw five thousand one hundred nine passing yards. I yeah. But he threw for more passing yards than anyone who has ever walked the face of the earth, other than four guys: Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, <laughs> Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's doing all right. I really, I really am amazed that the Buccaneers are genuinely ambivalent about Jameis Winston. Look. Coach the 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 weak spots out of his game, Bruce. Show us that you can that you can truly be a quarterback whisperer. Be a quarterback f bomber if you have to to get him to quit throwing the interceptions. We've seen the good Jameis Winston. There has to be a way to get the good and minimize the bad. But maybe maybe after one full season, uh, Bruce Arians realizes that there's nothing more he can do with this guy. That he's just destined to be a turnover machine. All right, that's our draft. You know, another guy I was thinking of adding to the list. Um, because he's only been a general manager once. But there's so many, I, I, let me just say generally, any general manager that only had one job because they get fired so quickly, there's a chance they'd all be better the second time around. Isn't it amazing that coaches get second chances? But general managers, very rarely, some have. Some have Dave Gettleman got a second chance. Uh, and, and there's another name that I'm that, that's popping around inside of my head of a guy who got a second chance. But for the most part, Shereen, you get one shot you work your whole career to get to that spot. You're a GM, and if it doesn't work out, you're done, and you're never coming back.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of those guys out there. I think Ryan Grigson is a guy who I think would be good in a second chance as a GM. There's there's quite a few of them now out there who I think could do a good job if they got that second chance. You're right, never really thought about that, but GMs don't get second chances. You better be very good at the job with your first chance because you're not going to get that second chance in the position Uh, that they are in
0: all right we need to take a break when we return will you be watching the xfl this weekend plus a quick update to yesterday's story of the day the matthew stafford trade talk report from a detroit tv station we'll tell you all that and more when pft live continues right after this Saturday, outdoor hockey heads, Rocky Mountain High, where the Kings take on the Avalanche. Live from the Air Force Academy at Colorado Springs, the 2020 Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC. I love that transformation. I love outdoor hockey. It is awesome. Check it out tomorrow night on NBC. All right. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about the report from WDIV-TV in Detroit. They had reported that the Lions are engaged in trade talks involving Matthew Stafford. Initially, they said sources close to Stafford and the Lions say that trade talks are happening. And then later in the day, I noticed it was changed to just say sources close to the Lions, not sources close to Stafford. I don't know what that means. I got some thoughts I'll share at ProFootballTalk.com later in the day. But they've doubled down, said WDIV-TV. The Detroit Lions have denied Local 4's report that they've been engaged in trade talks with quarterback Matthew Stafford for the past few weeks. We stand by our story and by our sources. Again, we just don't know who the sources are because at some point yesterday it went from being both sources close to the Lions and Stafford to sources only close to the Lions. So as I said, I'll have more to say about that in an item that I post at PFT because we're cutting into our XFL preview time, Shireen. Four big games on Saturday and Sunday. The Guardians at the Defenders, the Vipers at the Dragons. And look, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here. They're expecting 30,000 people in Seattle on Saturday for a game to be televised by Fox. 30,000 people for an XFL game Sunday. It's the Dallas Renegades or the Arlington Renegades, as you call them, Shereen, at the at the <laughs> LA Wildcats, the St. Louis Battlehawks at the Houston Rough next Landry Jones making his debut for the Arlington Renegades on Sunday. Uh, are you going to watch the games?
1: Absolutely, I'm going to watch the games. I'm especially going to watch that Dallas game. I do want to see Landry Jones. You know, he was Arlington. working dump truck re- re- Arlington, yes, Renegade, sorry. He was he was renovating houses in Fort Worth when he got this speaking of second chances. When he got this second chance to be a quarterback in a professional league and What he did in Bob Stoops' offense in Oklahoma, that excites me to see what he's going to do in Bob Stoops' uh, offense here with the Arlington Renegades uh, this this weekend. He had a minor knee injury, kept him out last week. The Renegades scored three field goals. That's all they had, and they were a favorite to win this thing. We're going to see what Bob Stoops' offense can do this week with Landry Jones at the helm.
0: And one thing I want to see this week, as you mentioned offense, I want to see more offense. I want to see more scoring. Yeah. All four games came in on the under. I assume the over-unders will be adjusted accordingly for week two. But I think we need to see more points. And I want to see coaches be more aggressive with that 1.2.3-point conversion point. option. One from the two, two from the five, three from the ten. They, it seems like they all went for for one. From the two. I mean, you have to get it across the goal line anyway. At least put it at the five. And why not push it all the way back to the ten and give yourself some room to work with, Shereen? So I was disappointed we didn't see more of that, and I hope we do this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm going from that ten-yard line every time. Give me those three points. I don't know if there's that big of a difference between the ten and the five. I mean, I, I just I think you should go for the more points, and I hope we see more of that, and I hope we see more points and more scoring, and You know, sort of like the NFL. The first week is generally a little bit lower in scoring as teams get into it. They didn't play in the preseason. This league had no preseason. They had the long training camp and some scrimmages and stuff like that. So I do think the offenses are going to be better week by week.
0: And the one thing that I will continue to hope for now, there's only going to be 40 total games in the XFL's inaugural season. I want a game to go to overtime. Because they've they've taken my idea, and I'm not going to say stolen. They can gladly have it. I hope the NFL steals it. The two-point conversion shootout. They're going to put the ball on the five, and each team's going to have five opportunities to punch it in. You get two points if you score. You get one point for a turnover. And uh, I, I want to see that happen. And I hope we have at least one overtime at some point during this XFL season, Shereen.
1: Well, and I hope the NFL is not too vain to go, hey, some of these ideas are really good, especially the kickoff idea that they have. I think that's something the NFL needs to look at and needs to look at implementing here pretty quickly because it worked. Over 90% of the kickoffs were returned. I think last year in the NFL it was under 40% that were returned. It was a fun play to watch. So the NFL needs to just suck in its pride and go, hey, some of these things work. Maybe we can steal or borrow or whatever word you want to use from the XFL to make our game better.
0: And I just had a vision. I'm fast-forwarding by a month or so to the breakers in Florida when the NFL gets together for the annual meeting. You have 32 owners. I assume that there's at least one of those owners, if not more than one, that love this new kickoff that the XFL uses can you imagine how awkward it's going to be when one of those billionaires stands up in an open meeting and says to the competition committee why in the hell haven't you brought this to us why do we have to see it on TV with the XFL
1: yeah no no question and I think they do want it and I think there's going to be a lot of people in the NFL ranks who want to see this happen
0: don't be too proud, NFL. There's something out there that works. Go ahead and take it and make it work for you. On that note, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday.
1: For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from Family Farms. Then blended to perfection and cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days. Deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for it. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait.
1: Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com.